Good news, my people. Last week marked the final presidential debate of 2016. Yes! 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 Okay, Daniel. 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 Daniel! Daniel! It, it might have been the final presidential debate, but the future is looking pretty bleak. Okay, pal? We don't have to get overly excited about it. Yeah. We're going to go over last week's final presidential debate. Was it all we could hope for and more? Who knows? Uh, also, Donald Trump uh, said two things this week. Two things that I absolutely 100%... One of them I 100% agree with. The other one I find admirable. Uh, so we're going to have to go over that. We have, to, we have a little positivity for the Don here. Also, I want to revisit Evan McMullen again uh, and his Utah poll numbers because he could be making an impact. And speaking of, we have to look at Gary Johnson. Uh, the polling just got a little bleak. Uh, all this and a host more of topics coming up on a special Tuesday edition. You know what you're listening to. This is Fritzcast. That's right, it is FritzCast special Tuesday edition for you. I guess we have to start there. I guess we have to start. Why was there no edition Monday? Huh? What, do we do? what you becoming lazy, you bum? Uh, you can probably hear it in my voice. Just just a tad. Um, if you're an active listener of the show, you can probably tell my voice is probably an octave or two lower. Uh, I'm getting beat up this season. Uh, like hardcore. I woke up yesterday with just like it's like somebody slammed this infection right in my sinuses, just crammed it in there overnight. Which is sad because I felt perfectly fine. You you you, you ever notice you you're perfectly fine, and then all of a sudden it's just like somebody flipped the light switch, and crap <laughs> rains right on on you. So. I skipped doing it yesterday. I was like, oh, I feel like crap. And today I woke up, I feel a little bit better. Uh, it's still going to be like trucking through it, but I feel a little bit better. But I have to say, you know, if you listen to the show, sorry if for the sniffles. I'm not, I'm not a cocaine user, unlike some people I know. All right, I'm actually going to stop that. That one was on purpose. But I don't use cocaine, unlike, you know, certain presidential candidates, which, b- shut up, it's a joke. All right, let's have some fun, lighthearted fun, at the expense of, you know, super mega rich Donald Trump. Jesus. All right, he's probably the next president of the United States. I don't know, it depends on what poll you look at. Is it an online poll that you can vote in several times over, or is it like, I don't know, a scientific real poll? I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, but yesterday, in 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 lieu of not doing the podcast, uh, well, uh, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Backtracked. Why am I trucking through and getting an episode out this week? Because I have never, ever, ever missed a week of Fritzcast, save for vacations. That's right. I've never taken a week off. I have one out for every week. Of the year since I got the uh, the, the microphone for Christmas. 
because this is what I love doing. This is what I want to do as a career. I, I you know, it, it's a dream, sure, but don't poop all over my dream. I'm not pooping over yours of whatever your dream is. I'm I'm pursuing it in the best way that I can. And right now, that pursuit is <laughs> paying for space on SoundCloud so I can push it out to all the you know podcasting sites like iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and and Google Play Music and RSS feeds so you can download it on Podcast Attic on your Android device because you don't like Apple phones anymore. That's me, at least, anyway. I'm I'm on an iMac right now, so before people go, I can't believe you're hating on Apple, I have an iMac. I prefer Apple computers, I do. I just don't like the phones anymore. I like my Samsung Galaxy S5, or Galaxy S5, Galaxy Note 5, the ones that they made before they started randomly, spontaneously blowing up in people's pockets as part of some grander conspiracy of terrorism. Okay, that's, again, it's a joke. All right. I know it's a touchy real-life subject, but it's a joke. Laugh. Ha, ha, ha. So in lieu of yesterday of doing the podcast, I was actually, uh, since I wasn't doing the podcast, wasn't feeling very good, didn't want to talk, I hopped on my Xbox One and I played Battlefield. Battlefield 1. If you're a video game type of person, if you like shooters, if you like war games, Battlefield 1 is probably the, the best one this year that is going to be made. Maybe over the next course of the next two years. Uh, it's very addicting. Battlefield 1. If, if you know a little bit about these shooters, you probably know modern warfare and modern combat has taken over. And futuristic combat has taken over. The last couple of Call of Duties have all been modern warfare uh, type affairs. Futuristic. The next one is infinite warfare. Uh, very. Catching a lot of flack over their beta this past week. Woo. I'm not a Call of Duty guy anymore. I played Call of Duty back in the day when it was like Call of Duty 2, Big Red 1. That was one of my favorite games. Call of Duty 3. Back when it was World War II shooter, I really did like it. When they went into Modern Warfare, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't hate on it, but it started to drag. And then the last one that I played was Ghosts. And that was the last Call of Duty game I ever played, ever. I'm not interested in Advanced Warfare. I'm not interested in the one coming out. But Battlefield 1 takes us back into the war to end all wars, which really was just the war to start all wars, if you think about it. Goes into World War 1, and it's an extremely fun game. Extremely fun. Now, I don't, you know, I'm not one to condone violence of any kind. I'm not one to promote these games for, for younger kids because of the violent content of them. But... Every once in a while, I like to just go into a game and, you know, wreak havoc over whatever. And that's what Battlefield 1 is. I can hop into these, you know, realistic World War One tanks. Uh, I, could, I could hop into a, a fighter plane, a fighter biplane, and just zoom around and just do, 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 the whole the whole nine yards. My favorite thing to do, honestly, all the rifles have bayonets on them. My favorite thing to do, you can do the bayonet charge, just run right up to an enemy, scoop them up off the ground, and slam them down. And then you, like, you know, the animation, you, you put your foot out and you kick them off your bayonet. It, it is, I, I don't know. I'm not really a violent person. I'm not. Most people will tell you I'm laid back. I'm, I'm you know, that guy could never hurt a fly, they would say about me. But there's something about bayonet charging a guy and just kicking him off your rifle that's very fulfilling. 
And to me, it's because it's a video game. It's because I know it's not happening in real life. I'm not hurting anybody, but damn, is it fun. So if you're even a mild fan of these warfare games and you want like an all-out old-school war experience, Battlefield 1 on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC computers, go out and get it today. This is not a sponsored ad. This is me telling you that this game is the bomb. Go get it. Seriously. Uh, Other than that, I am on week eight of my classes. I have two, two, count them, two more blocks to go. That's four more classes. After that, I'm done. After that, I have my bachelor's degree in communications. And it's going to be so sweet because I'm going to be like, "What what am I supposed to do with my time? Really? I don't have homework to do. It's going to free up so much time. It's going to be great. Then student loan repayments are going to kick in, and I'm going to be like, fudge. Except I won't say fudge. I'll say the af dash 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 word, if you know what I mean. I know it's a little early to be quoting Christmas stuff, but it's coming around the corner, folks. It'll be here sooner rather than later, but no more mentions of Christmas. Which, by the way, you know what? Uh, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I've gone into several stores now. Uh, I've gotten several catalogs in, in my in my mail, in my you know old school U.S. post office snail mail. Uh, Christmas stuff is popping up, and it it kind of pisses me off because it's not even we haven't even hit Halloween yet. Can we please slow down? Look, I love the Christmas season. I love putting on some Frank Sinatra, some Dean Martin, Rat Pack Christmas. I love it. But, for real, I shouldn't walk into BJ's to do my grocery shopping and see 25-foot-tall Christmas trees up and them trying to sell me Christmas ornaments and Christmas lights and all this other jazz. Like, it is not that time yet. There's Thanksgiving before that. Please. Please, please, please. Yes, war on Christmas. I'm I'm for it right now. I'm just I guess I'm a traditionalist. I guess I'm I'm one of those people who you can't start uttering Christmas until after Thanksgiving. I mean it can happen Thanksgiving Day even. But you have to have Thanksgiving dinner and then you can go let the Christmas season reigneth upon us and start playing your Frank Sinatra, your Dean Martin. Uh, or if you're me, your Twisted Sister Christmas album, just to throw people off. Because they do give you weird looks when you start playing Twisted Sister Christmas, uh, a, a very hairy hair metal Christmas. Uh, you know, when you play God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, and it is Black Sabbath playing it, with Ronnie James Dio singing it, people, like, they double take. And it's funny. But enough about that. The only other thing I can tell you is that one for for a full straight week now I've had Solar City running up and most days I'm overproducing by by a healthy margin and the panels are working great I'm loving it I can't tell you bill wise though I'll, I'll get my first bill December first so I still have a whole another month to go before I know what my savings are in comparison so we won't dive into that either. So, let's start with where these things start. Last week, last week we had, we had the final presidential debate of 2016. Thank you, God. 
I'm sorry. I need a moment here. I'm just so damn happy that it's that it's all coming to an end. And I mean everything. I mean the world is coming to an end, and it's a good thing. No, but really, honestly, a uh, couple of observations from the debate. Number one, uh, this was hosted by Fox News. And I want you to think about this real long and hard. This was hosted by... Fox News, Chris Wallace as the moderator. And Chris Mo- uh, Chris Mollis? Jesus, I am just not on my game today. Chris Wallace deserves a freaking medal. Because Chris Wallace, out of all three debates, hands down, Chris Wallace smoked all the other moderators. He, he outperform- outperformed... He outperformed Lester Holt. He outperformed Anderson Cooper... And the, the Martha Raddatz, that's who. Uh, Chris Wallace, I thought, did an outstanding job and was the most fair and balanced moderator. And I don't even like Fox News. I, I, I'm not a fan of... I'm not a fan of extremes, but Fox News gets the fair and balanced award this year. Think about that. Fox News gets the fair and balanced award this year. For presidential debates anyway. Hands down. The debate started off way better than I anticipated. I had little to no hope for this debate. And I'd say for the first 30 to 40 minutes of it, it was it was good quality. Honestly, I, I Donald Trump, at the beginning of these debates, does... He does fine. I, I don't think most people could argue against Donald Trump in the first half hour of a debate. It's somewhere after that half hour that it, it's like a, it's like somebody with severe extreme ADD and goes downhill fast. Now, one of my favorite things to do is, you know, I watch the debates. I listen to them. I, you don't need to watch them, but listen to them. I've heard that I've heard there's different experiences if you just listen to them versus watching them. To to me, I don't need to watch the the little fidgety bull crap going on between them as much as I want to hear their answers. And the downside to that is that you you really never get details to plans. You never get details to plans. You never get uh it's not really a debate anymore. Does that make sense? When I think debate, I think back and I mean, go on YouTube. You can watch the historic debates of our times. Uh, go back and watch Bush Kerry. Watch Bush Gore. If you go back and watch the Bush Gore debates, you're going to see, I think it was in the first one, Al Gore stands at the podium and he is treating it like it's nothing. He he looks like he's bored. He's fidgeting with uh, his, you know, pen. He's making goofy faces. And he overall looks unprofessional. So, yes, watching it can add a dynamic to it versus listening. But listening, ultimately, I'm listening for details. I'm listening for plans. I'm listening for policies. And I'm listening for the candidate to say, look, this is what they want to do. And this is where I think this is a bad idea. Why don't we go with this approach? That, to me, is what a debate's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like a point, counterpoint. I'm in public speaking class this uh, 
this block of classes that I'm finishing up, it's a public speaking class. Debates, to me, are supposed to be more why my plan is possibly better than this plan and why don't we give it a shot. That's that's what a debate to me is. It's not supposed to be this refutation of, you know, they suck and I'm better. It's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be, look, this plan, it's not necessarily a bad idea. I think this plan is a better plan and this is why. A, B, C, and D. But you don't get that in debates anymore. But the main point I've, I've strayed off topic sorry it happens maybe I have a little ADD okay alright maybe I have problems undiagnosed I don't know we'll, we'll go over why uh, when we touch Obamacare premiums going up later in the show okay and again joke ha 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 laugh get over yourself one of the things that I do after listening to these debates is I go to the transcripts and I read through the transcripts uh, for, for, for the highlight points. And if you thought listening or watching the debate was excruciatingly painful, <laughs> go read the transcript and talk to me about painful. It's more entertaining to read the sections of the Bible that's just genealogy than it is to read through some of these transcripts. I'm just saying. And I've done that. I have read the gene- genealogical... Is that the word, genealogical? I don't even know. I don't care today. I've read those sections of the Bible. I took four years of Mormon seminary uh, that were split up into Old Testament Bible, New Testament Bible, Book of Mormon, and um, Doctrine and Covenants, which... Now we're diving into territory that people don't understand, and, and this isn't a Mormon podcast of sorts, so we're not going to dive into it. And in the opening of this debate, Clinton talked about the Supreme Court, and so did Donald Trump. Donald Trump mentioned the Supreme Court, too. It, it opened on the topic of the Supreme Court. And here's the thing. The Supreme Court, correct me if I'm wrong, their job is to have these cases before them and, and kind of decide how to interpret the Constitution. No? Like, that's the sole purpose of the Supreme Court. It's to interpret laws and, and apply interpretation of the law. Yet. I'm forced to ask... Why the focus turns to the Supreme Court creating laws? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that not the job of our senators, our representatives? Aren't they the ones that are working on laws? And the Supreme Court takes cases and interprets the Constitution and the laws that are on the books? The Supreme Court... How is it being manipulated this bad in in elections to being, like, the deciding factor of law? Because that's how Hillary Clinton referred to it. And that's how Donald Trump referred to it, too. Let's not, you know, let's not lay off the criticisms or whatever. Both of them were referring to it as if it was, like, a lawmaking body. And I think it's a little wrong to treat it as such when it's, it's part of the checks and balances of our governmental system. 
I was just really surprised that the debate started off like that and started off with both of them talking about how, and I mean, the, the Supreme Court is important, and so are the just so are the justices that you nominate to the Supreme Court. It's part of the reason why Congress has a as a review why they have hearings over uh, nominations and can approve or disapprove. But here it was a focal point of, you know, the, the this is how our laws are decided. Not really. It's how our laws are interpreted. And it started with the Supreme Court, and then it dived into Second Amendment, which is the big hot-button issue right now. And Hillary Clinton goes off, you know, I, I support the Second Amendment. Um, and then we go back to these words, these these... You know, reasonable regulation, common sense gun laws. Yet you hear it, but then you don't really hear anything in support of what that means. You don't hear any, like, restrictive definitions of what common sense gun law is. They'll just tell you, well, it's common sense. It's common sense, man. And I don't know if you guys knew, but in this magical world that we live in, common sense really isn't so freaking common anymore. And the other thing that I love about uh, well, any debate on any topic is the, the when they bring in loopholes. Well, we have to create new laws to close these loopholes and all that. I never understood this line of thinking. It's the same thing when Bernie Sanders was talking about his tax plan. He came out and talked about how he would introduce, you know, these laws over here, and that would close this loophole, and that loophole, and that loophole, and this loophole. Why is it always creating more laws to close loopholes that pop up in current law when the approach should be tear down whatever the current law is and establish it so that there may be no loopholes? You talk about taxes. One of the things, one of my criticisms against uh, all these candidates on taxes. One of the big issues for me this election was tax code. You don't create six, seven, eight laws to close this loophole, that loophole, this loophole over here, and this loophole over here. If you really wanted to tackle it, you're, you you take a comprehensive you know, reform. You take the tax code, you strip it away. You strip it down, you rip up every last page of it, and you build it up new. So that there's no loopholes. You build it so that there is no loophole. But you have so many exemptions, uh, so many tax credits, so many other things playing into it that uh, that's how you end up with thousands and thousands of pages and you end up with whole industries that their whole job is to pour over legal documentation and go, okay, well, here's where you can save money here, and you get a tax credit for this, and uh, because you do this, uh, you're exempt from this tax over here, there's a whole business just based off of that. that. That's all they do. That's all they do. They look at companies' finances. They look at personal people's finances. You want to know why you haven't seen Donald Trump's tax records? You, you, you really want to know? You really want to know? Because he's used current tax law and loopholes to not pay it. That's not a knock on him because, honestly, it's there to exploit and the government never touches it. And why don't they touch it? Because they're using the same damn laws to line their own pocket. You, you think they don't exploit those little loopholes for themselves? Everybody, everybody does it. Everybody wants to pay the least amount of taxes that they have to. And everybody wants a big old refund at the end. 
practically. I mean, the way my taxes are filled out is so that they take out more so I can get the refund at the end because I'd rather at the end of the at the end of the year, I'd rather them go, "Oh, we owe you this much money," than to, you know, say, "Oh, uh we didn't take out enough and you owe us this much money." But case in point, don't develop new laws to close this law out. Actually go back to that law and reanalyze it. But she talks about gun show loophole, online loophole, which time and again have been proven to not exist. It's the same It's the same thing. Go on YouTube and type up uh, anti-gun rants from politicians and you'll find that guy that's holding an AR-15. And an AR-15, by the way, is just a standard rifle. Okay? It doesn't shoot automatically because automatic weapons are illegal. So that, that AR-15 that's sitting in the gun shop that looks really big and scary is a semi-auto. It's the same as my Glock. Okay? It, it's a semi-auto. It, has, it might have a 30-round a magazine that can be attached to it, but that's not how they're going to say it. They're going to say it has a 30-round clip, which... What the hell is that? You have uneducated people talking about things that they don't know about because a large there, there's a large following out there that that's scared of guns because they don't understand them and all they know is that bad people get their hands on them and do bad things. But anyway, I digress. I I'm bouncing all over the place today and I apologize for that. It's just how I feel. <clears throat> All right, but another big topic of Donald Trump as of late is rigged. Rigged, rigged, rigged. Rigged election. The the system's rigged, folks. The system is rigged. Let me play this little clip from from Bloomberg Media for you. Bloomberg News. Do you make the same commitment that you will absolutely accept the result of this election? I will look at it at the time. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. What I've seen, what I've seen is so bad. People that have died 10 years ago are still voting. The, the rigged system in the media is also is, is a genuine concern to millions of Americans. But I would also reserve my right to contest or file a legal challenge in the case of a questionable result. So there are a couple of clips from, from the Don and his uh, running mate, Mike Pence. When Trump says rigged, when he, when he says that, I don't believe that Trump means when you go into the voting booth, say you're going into an electronic voting booth, I don't think he means when you hit Donald Trump, Republican, that it's registering a vote for Hillary Clinton. I don't think he means that type of rigged. When he talks about the media... Oh hell yeah! The media can, media can try to pick winners and losers all they want, and some people blindly follow the media. And you should never blindly just accept what the media is throwing at you. Ever, you should never ever do that. Never have one single sole source for your news. In fact, do what I do because sometimes I'll go on to CNN. Then I'll go on to NBC, then I'll go on to The Blaze, then I'll go on to The Hill, and then I'll go on to some other whack third-party website, and I'll read all the different reportings of the story. Because you get different angles, you get different presentations, presentations everything nowadays. 
I don't understand why Trump catches so much flack for him screaming about rigged elections now, before the election results come out, when you know Al Gore was was not immediately conceding the 2000 election, and hell, Bernie Sanders fans can line up right behind Donald Trump right now because WikiLeaks and all the information coming out about how the DNC did not favor Bernie Sanders and played favorites and played against him even. That's that's a type of rigging, people. It's not it's not strong arming it away, but it's using tactics to undermine uh, the free voting body, so to speak. It most definitely is. My favorite thing about WikiLeaks right now is that the Democrats are like, oh, this is Russia. This is Russia playing all this stuff. And uh, WikiLeaks a while ago was you know, their best friend because it was leaking stuff on Republicans and George Bush and all this other jazz. Then it was okay, but now it's not. Like, listen to this clip. All right, Megyn Kelly with DNC chair Donna Brazil. But you were accused of receiving a debate question before a CNN town hall where they partnered with TV One, and that that you had this question on on March 12th, the, that verbatim verbatim was provided by Roland Martin to CNN the next day. How did you get that question, Donna? Well, Kelly, since I play straight up, and I'll play straight up with you. Uh, I did not receive any questions from CNN. Let's just be Where'd very you get it? clear. Uh, where, where did you get uh, it? First of all, what information are you providing to me that, that will allow me to see what, what you're talking about? Everybody You got the WikiLeaks released a March 12th Podesta email showing I you do. messaging the Clinton campaign with the exact wording of a question asked at the March 13th Kelly, CNN TV Kelly, One town hall debate. Kelly, where did you get it? I, 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 you know, as a Christian woman, I understand persecution, but I will not sit here and be persecuted because your information is totally false. What you're, what you're I'm telling the American people. I'm getting it from Podesta's people, email. What, what you're, what, what you, well, Podesta's emails were stolen. You're so interested in talking about stolen So you material, deny it. You're like, you're like a thief that want to bring into the night the things that you found that was in the gutter. I'm not, let Donna, me just tell you what I CNN's said from day one. CNN's Jake Tapper Kelly, came out and said this was unethical. Somebody was unethically helping the Clinton campaign. He said, I love Donna Brazil, but this is very, very upsetting. And I love, My understanding I love is that CNN the email to I Donna Brazil, he, this is Jake Tapper. My understanding is that the email to Donna Brazil came from either Roland Martin or someone around Roland Martin. He said this is very upsetting and very troubling. That's your own colleague at CNN. It's not Megyn Kelly. Who gave you that question? And she goes on to not answer. She goes on to say things like, well, that, well, that email was stolen. Okay, the email was stolen. Let's, honestly speaking, WikiLeaks is like this double-edged sword of they stole personal information and none of us want that done to us, especially by the government. But because WikiLeaks isn't a government organization, everybody's hunky-dory with it. We can criticize that later. Her defense is that the emails were stolen. That's her defense. That's her defense. You were never supposed to see that. That's stolen information. That was said in confidence. Which plays right into Hillary Clinton's you need a public opinion and a public stance and a private stance.
Because the private stance is the one that nobody else is supposed to get. Sorry to my Clinton friends, but if you don't think that's dirty, if you don't think there's dirty happenings going in the background, that there's some strategic cutthroat happenings, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this is a class A example of it. If Donald Trump wants to talk about rigging, that's all you got to bring up. Because there are no outright denials of this. There, there, there's not. They dance around it. They dance around it like it's nothing. Like it's B-rate bullcrap. And maybe it's just Donna Brazil can't handle herself. Because she did not handle that well. I heard that clip and I laughed. I laughed when I heard that clip. Because you don't deny it. You just say, oh, that information is false. That information was stolen. That information was stolen. It was supposed to be private. Well, this isn't the court of law. This has been leaked to the public, and these are, these are the emails. These are the actual emails that have been going on. And mind you, I don't even read the, the, the WikiLeaks releases. I've gone on a, couple of, on a couple of the drops and clicked on the messages and read them, but I don't have the wherewithal to pour through all 100 emails to see what Clinton staffers are emailing to each other. You know, probably the same thing that anybody else is doing at work. Occasionally, there's probably a dumb, stupid meme sent to somebody going, ha, this is funny, isn't it? I don't know. I don't care. But this was just a shady example. All right? Same thing with the Wall Street speeches that she does because of her, you know, private stance versus her public stance. It baffles my mind that she's apparently the cleanest, best candidate that, you know, ever graced God's green earth. Because she's not. And again, our lovely predicament, people, is that this is neither an endorsement of Donald Trump or support of Donald Trump either, because I've done that time and again. Now it's time to focus on Hillary. But let's be honest, Trump hasn't been smart with that. Trump hasn't capitalized on that. But I did I did say, I did say Donald Trump said a couple of things that I have to agree with. Two two statements that he's made. Number one, he said that he believes there should be term limits for uh, Senate and Congress, which I absolutely agree with. Absolutely agree with. Th- th- those come, those thoughts and feelings come from the same people that I support right now. Rand Paul, Mike Lee, uh, Ben Sass. They all support term limits. They all do. I think term limits are a great thing that should be imposed in there. Some people are, Some people make ludicrous arguments about how that would be insanely restrictive and anything to get Harry Reid, uh, John McCain, Mitch McConnell, anybody, anything to get these long time, Chuck Shermer, anything to get these long time, 20 plus year politician types out. You know, I, I, I once heard an argument of somebody saying, well, we don't do this with our doctors and, uh, you know, our mechanics and all this other stuff. A politicians to me is not supposed to be a career job where you stay in one position for 20 years. I think to keep the ideas fresh and rolling, you need term limits. You need to say, okay, you know what? You've been in power too long. You're done. It's time for somebody else to get in there. New ideas, fresh mind. uh, Take away any incentive of sitting in there for 20 plus years or 15 plus years. Get new, fresh ideas in there. I think it would force the Congress 
the House, I think it would force them to work more towards compromise. Because now it's not so much of a power struggle as it is, let's get stuff done. Let's do our jobs. And that goes that goes straight down to my criticism of voting turnouts. You know, percentage voting turnouts. I think Rand Paul makes like 96%. Bernie Sanders is up there too. So for all my critici- for all my criticisms of uh for all your criticisms of Bernie Sanders, I'm there to vote. I'm there to do my job. And I'm there to tackle Wall Street and people like Hillary Clinton who are severely uh, underqualified and and not qualified for the job even though you should vote for Secretary Clinton. So not only did Trump say that about term limits and I agree with that, uh, he also very, you know, maybe he just threw it out there to make himself look good. I don't know. He said that if he was elected president, he would uh, he would not take his, his salary as president. That's admirable. I think it's $400,000 a year that the president makes. That's admirable to stand up and say you wouldn't take it. I mean, what are you going to do with it, though? Are you going to dump that money to charities like you, you have so many times before? <laughs> I can't even I can't even BS my way through that. He hasn't donated a lot to charities. <laughs> Sorry. It's proven. Go look it up online. But uh you'd have to say it's admirable to say somebody would reject the presidential salary. I you know, if I, if I was wealthy going for the presidency, I would probably take it and put it towards charity or uh, you know, I don't know. Is there a way to write it off that it wouldn't be taxed from from the budget or or something? I don't know. I don't know, but kind of admirable. Give the guy at least a little props to say that he'd be like, I'm rich, I don't need it. And speaking of, before I go into Evan McMullen and Gary Johnson numbers, uh, my brother Punk, he didn't give me an audio clip or anything. He, he was te- I was texting with him last night, and uh, amongst my chatting, he wanted me to pass this along. Uh, let, uh, let's make this grandoise a little bit. Okay, grandoise, ready? Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Fritz's brother Punk is officially endorsing Donald J. Trump for president. Shocker. Shocker that he would be endorsing Donald Trump for president. I'm endorsing Gary Johnson for president, but that's just, that's just me. But Evan McMullen... Who is Evan McMullen? Evan McMullen is an independent candidate for president. We talked about him a little bit. Uh, Not so much my focus, not really interested in Evan McMullen per se. However, I I think he's a good viable alternative to to Donald Trump. I'll I'll give him that. Uh, His poll numbers in Utah last week had uh, risen above uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. He was actually leading in Utah. Currently speaking, he is still high up there in the Utah polls. Now it's causing this this question of could Evan McMullen win Utah and effectively steal electoral votes and cause a election denial? It's the same thing that the Gary Johnson camp did with him winning New Mexico, for example. Should the states fall a very specific way and pattern? Should the electoral votes be split a certain way? 
Evan McMullen winning Utah, for example, can uh, can effectively block uh, 270 electoral votes. Yes, could. Has to fall a very specific way, though. Either way, it's unprecedented. Unprecedented if an independent candidate stole electoral votes. Not, And I don't say steal as in, like, look at this spoiler guy coming in and ruffling feathers and messing up elections. I mean, those people voted for Evan McMullen, if that's how it works out. And he gets awarded those electoral votes. But he, he, did, he did ring them away from Trump and Clinton. That's unprecedented. It's unprecedented for an independent to come in here and get electoral votes. Ross Perot can get 20% of the popular vote and prove that the electoral college might be a little flawed. But we're not focused on that right now. The chips may fall a certain way, and Evan Mullen could be an effective block. Now, uh, this is this audio is taken from Steve Kornacki and Evan McMullen. Let's just take a listen. Clinton would have 268. Trump would have 264. And if McMullen wins Utah, he's sitting there on six. And what do you notice? Nobody, nobody gets to 270. And you know what happens if nobody gets to 270 in a presidential election? Then the race is decided by the House of Representatives. Congress gets to pick the president. And that is one of the ideas behind the Evan McMullen campaign. He's a Republican. He's supported by many conservatives. They don't like Donald Trump. They don't want Donald Trump to be president. They feel if they could get this thing to the House of Representatives, that the Republicans in the House of Representatives wouldn't want Trump, wouldn't want Clinton. They would want McMullen. Joining us now is the perfect man to talk to about this from Salt Lake City, Utah, Evan McMullen, independent candidate for president. So, Evan, uh, we just took you through the scenario here. If there's a McMullen scenario, it is that. Uh, I don't think it's an overstatement to say it is a far-fetched scenario. Uh, But is that why you're running? Is that part of what got you into this race? Well, first of all, I want to clarify that I'm in Jackson Hole right I want to give credit where credit's due. It's a beautiful place, and I'm happy to be here. We're in this race because we don't believe Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump should be president of the United States. We believe the American people deserve a better option. We believe that both of these two major party candidates offer ideas from the past. They're not looking forward. They put their own interests before those of the American people, and it's time that we had better in our leaders. I believe they both personify a leadership crisis in this country, and Mindy Finn, my running mate, and I are both standing up to that and trying to offer for the American people a better option. What do you say to, to people who would say, if, you're, if you don't believe Donald Trump uh, is fit to be president, uh, to, excuse me, is fit to be president, that you're helping, uh, you, are, that you are helping Hillary Clinton get, excuse me, you are helping Hillary Clinton get elected by siphoning off no. uh, Republican votes. No, I'm not helping Hillary Clinton get elected. The reality is when I got into the race, Donald Trump was down by 10 percentage points. Now he's he's still losing terribly to Hillary Clinton, which is saying something. I think she's one of the more corrupt politicians we've had nominated by the major parties in maybe modern history, at least, if not longer. The reality is that Donald Trump is a terrible candidate. He's alienated so many Americans unnecessarily and, and in such a damaging way to our country. Of course, he's, he's going to have a hard time winning. The math just isn't there. You can't turn away women and minorities and millennials and still hope to win a national race. So uh, he's going to lose. He's going to lose badly unless he, unless he does a miraculous turnaround in the, in the last 15 days of the race. But if there's one thing we've learned about Donald Trump, he has a hard time correcting himself and getting back on track in any consistent way. So the reality is, unless something dramatic changes, 
Hillary Clinton is going to lose because Donald Trump is such a terrible candidate. What Mindy and I are doing is offering a, a, a better way forward for the future, for the conservative movement, and also for the country. We believe that it's time for a new conservative movement that will welcome people of all faiths and genders and races into the conservative movement. That's the kind of leadership we need, leadership that acknowledges that all men and women are created equal and that we all have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Republicans have gotten away from these truths and foundational principles. We aim to restore them. It is hard. We put the poll up from Utah. It is hard not to ignore. You're on the ballot. You're not on all 50 state ballots, we should say. There's, I think it's 11 state ballots you're on. You got into this late. There's a number of states where you're registered as a write-in candidate. People can write your name and the vote can be counted. But the concentration of support for you, particularly in Utah, is really striking when you look at, first of all, obviously it's a state with it's the largest Mormon population in the country, more than 60%. It's a state where Donald Trump struggled so much in the Republican primary season. I think that might have been uh, his worst state. And there's been a lot of talk about this. Donald Trump has struggled so intensely with Mormon voters. And that seems to be a big part of your strength out there in Utah. Mormon voters who would normally vote Republican, who won't vote for Trump and who are now ready to vote for you. What is behind that? Well, first of all, I, I want to make very clear that I think that's a little bit simplistic. Yes, I, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes, I was, I was born in Utah. I went to school there. Uh, but the reality, this is about principles. This is about conservative principles. It's not that simple to say that Utah is just a red state. It's a Republican state. No, it's a principled conservative state. It's a state in which the people believe in, in the Constitution and, and in the ideals that it enshrines. It's a state in which people care about their fellow man and woman. This is the reality of Utah. So when they see Donald Trump, they see somebody who doesn't reflect those values. But let me just say this. We are running a national campaign. A lot of people are focused on our success in Utah and in the larger Mountain West. That's true. We have, you know, our resources are limited. This is a three-month campaign, so we have to focus strategically. We have a great organization in Wisconsin. We have a great organization in, in Iowa and elsewhere. So in Virginia as well. So, but we've, we've got to use our resources where it makes the most sense, and that's what we're doing in the Mountain West. So, Evan McMullen, another option out there for you, for you never-Trumpers, never-Hillary-ers. And the last story, Gary Johnson's polls have, um, have collapsed a little bit. Uh, this from Reason.com, reported yesterday. Today's the 25th. Yesterday was 24th. Yes, posted yesterday. Of course, you know Gary Johnson didn't get into the debates. Hasn't helped his poll numbers nationwide. Nationwide, he's now at 3%. Now, the goal for Gary Johnson's campaign at this point, and for my voting for him at this point, is to get to 5% to unlock federal funding. It's just kind of a hit. And, uh, you know... Candidly speaking, uh, Johnson's campaign has been a little underwhelming to me. And then he's had these Aleppo moments, these foreign leader gaffes. And mind you, I mean, like, those are better than to be Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. They really are, really. Not that big of gaffes. It's just that he's been so underwhelming. He's, he's so underwhelming, so he doesn't have this driving passion and enthusiasm about things. And it takes a hit on him. It really does, because part of the presentation, part of your character, part of your 
part of your character, part of your presentation is part of your appeal. And if you don't have it, if it's not coming through, then then you take a hit on it. Let me just quote down this article. Um, quote, his numbers are dropping from about 9% in national polls in August to 6% now. And he's been overshadowed by another third-party candidate. Johnson's decline isn't shocking. Third-party candidates usually lose steam the closer we get to the election. But Johnson is faltering even against the standard. Based on his polling in late August, 538's polls plus model, which accounts for the drop-off third-party candidates, usually experience projected Johnson to get around 7% of the vote. The same model has him down to just 5.6%. Uh, the prediction, 5% still looks like it's probably going to happen. And while that might not be the most glorious ending, it's still a better ending than nationally than any other per- third-party candidate for president since 1996. So what's gone wrong? Besides the aforementioned rise of Evan McMullen in Utah and potentially in some other 10 states he's competing in, though we can't be, no- we can't be sure because he isn't being polled in any of others except Virginia, Johnson has, seen, ha, Johnson has seen an exodus of Democrats from his support base. Uh, the CNN ORC poll has Johnson pulling 8% of independents, 2% of Republicans, and a big old asterisk among Democrats. This is a recent trend and in sharp contrast to his talk, taking about equally from Indies, Republicans, and Dems. Deeper dives have previously concluded that Johnson, on balance, was hurting Trump more now that result seems all but guaranteed. So we're up in the air. It's it, it, Who knows where it could go. Last note I have to end on today. Did you catch the Philadelphia Eagles? Because they beat the 5-0 and Minnesota Vikings. I'm tired of hearing people trash my team for two bad games. And then they come and beat the undefeated Vikings with the best defense in the NFL. So suck on that. All right? Suck on that. That's going to do it for me for this week. I hope I didn't go bouncing around too hardcore for you all. Next week, next week, who knows what next week's going to bring. We're done with debates. So maybe we can focus on other topics. We only have a couple weeks left before the election, people. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Does Evan McMullen keep his, uh, keep his hold in Utah? Does Gary Johnson bounce back? Who knows what will happen? See you next week.